quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. In this episode of Boss Files. Well over 6 million people wake up with us every day. We are definitely have the fastest growing newsletter on the market. The Skim co-founders Danielle Weisberg and Carly Zakin. News junkies and former NBC producers who jumped ship and set out on their own. Their road to founding the skim was rough at first, turned down by almost every investor initially. But they refused to take no for an answer, eventually raised the money, and launched what has become a daily source of news for millions of Americans, including Oprah. We see that millions of people throughout the country are reading us every single day. That's something to be proud of. It's something to celebrate that we are getting people to read news every single day and to come back or to go deeper in a topic. They've landed interviews with big newsmakers like House Speaker Paul Ryan and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Plus, how two millennials are managing a team of millennials. Here's my conversation with Danielle Weisberg and Carly Zakin of The Skim. Danielle, Carly, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. This is exciting. It's wonderful to have you here. For those unfortunate souls who do not read this game, <laughs> give us the elevator pitch, Danielle, quickly. Sure. So this skim is a company that makes it easier to live a smarter life. Um, our product that we're most known for is our daily email newsletter, The Daily Skim, that breaks down what you need to know first thing in the morning, gets you on your way. 6 a.m. Yes, 6 a.m. There we are. Um, and really what we've become today is a full-fledged audience company that looks at the modern routines of women, primarily 22 to 34, Mm -hmm. and creates products that um, really syncs with how they're living their days and makes it easier to be smarter within that routine. The road here was not easy, but it has been a lot of fun for the two of you. It's been extraordinary to watch from the outside. Just give us a sense of your reach in terms of your your numbers that you can share. Yeah, so well over 6 million people wake up with us every day. Uh, we um, we are definitely have the fastest growing newsletter on the market. Mm. We have well over twenty seven thousand Skim Ambassador brand reps, um, and our we'll re- get to who those yeah, people yeah, are talk about them. But what we've really become in many ways is the new morning television experience for this audience um, without being video first. You've said Danielle, our newsletter is the third ranked morning TV <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah, you but, but, but really, I mean that is I part mean, of your edge here, and part yes, of your goal. It is, and definitely, you know, we look at who our audience is. So it's primarily women twenty two to. 34. If you're looking at the millennial demographic, um, they don't necessarily think about owning TVs like other generations. Um, and My they friends really, don't watch me. Yeah. Disappointing. I was, I was going to be nice. <laughs> we we <laughs> don't want to say it. But we don't want to say it. I know, but that's why we started the company. I mean, we worked, we were news producers and our friends never watched anything we produced. At NBC. Big, yes. You know, big network, great mm-hmm. opportunity. Yeah. I mean, we loved it. We worked. uh, That was our dream. I mean, we worked every shift imaginable. Um, We started off as interns. We worked our way up the ladder. And really, if someone had told us, you know, when we were in college that we were going to get these jobs and then quit and do something on our own when we were 25 years old, I would have thought, like, there's no way that is happening. Um, It was really just 
our friends didn't watch anything we produced. Mm. And there was such a disconnect between this audience Mm -hmm. that is leading in so many different ways. And they should have sources that they trust, that they look to daily for information. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. So we wanted to create it. Did you feel irrelevant, frankly, to your generation uh, working in television news? I think we felt that our friends were not watching what we were doing. And every day we would hear and read about how all these traditional outlets were talking about getting the younger audiences. But, you know, we had a lot of interest on the business and marketing side, and there was no way for us to sort of bring that in and actually help create change um, without us having having to leave and do that. You told The New York Times in a, in a recent interview, Carly, that the skim is a gateway drug to the news. Yes. That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, I think our parents are like, what gateway drug? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you talking about? Why are you talking about gateway drugs? Uh, no, I think for us, you know, we in many ways are a translator. And what we do is we make it easier to understand the world around you. And we are, you know, I remember when we first started, we met um, one of the, the leading publishers of, of, a major, um, of a major publishing house. And he said, are, are you my worst nightmare? And we were like, no, we're your best friend, because every day we are driving a tremendous amount of traffic to to other news outlets. Um, For us, you know, our biggest dream was that our friends wanted to read and talk about the news and the wires as much as we were paid to do and how much we love to do. It wasn't the reality. And so we are a huge, huge driver of traffic. You met in Rome. We did. Studying abroad. You went to different universities, both very good universities. Um, Then you go on to work together at NBC News? No, we actually, the skim was the first time we'd ever worked together. So you you sort of parted ways in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yes. You went to NBC. Yes. I went to NBC too. Yeah, CNBC first. But but not together. Not together. We worked um, in totally different... See, I knew I was right. No, No, you were right. I read that. You were right. It's actually, (laughs) and a lot of people kind of just think like, oh, well, we started working together when we were 21. No. No. Like, I mean, this was... Our first, like, trial working together was the skim. Like, we lived together. Yes. yes. Gosh, I don't know if I'd still be friends with the person I lived with, worked I mean, with, yeah. ate with, slept it's, you know, you know next to. It's not something that we recommend. <laughs> I think it worked for us. It also worked for us because we were friends first, mm-hmm. and then we knew each other as colleagues. So we tried all at once. Yeah, and then we were friends, and then we were roommates, and then we were business partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we hear people say, like, oh, we're gonna, I'm going to start a business with someone, so I'm going to move in with them. Like, do not. That's don't. insane. To save rent, don't yeah. do it. No. No. Lose your mind. No. Yes. Um, let's talk about the early days. And, you know, we, we've talked about you worked in shifts. I mean, someone had to always be up at night working on this yeah. because it was truly just the two of you. What were the early days like and why did you think it would work? The early days are insane. Um, I always hesitate saying this to people who have children, so don't take offense because we don't <laughs> have kids yet, but I think it is like having a newborn. Um, we were up like in shifts every two hours. and Did we, you lose your mind a little bit? Yes. Yeah. All right, then I you would got say it. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't look our best. No, um, I went we, home for the holidays that first, starting in July, so I went home that December, and my mom was like, you look horrible. And it was true. Like It was like, very much like no sleep, no workouts, eating takeout, the one you're thing, like in sweatpants and sweatshirts. Yeah. I remember one day Danielle was like, "You gotta just put on a different sweatshirt." <laughs> like you smell. <laughs> no, it was just like I was like wearing the navy sweatpants and the navy sweatshirt. She's like, "You're wearing a tracksuit. It's not a look." Like we were just. <laughs> but the one thing that we did, and I think this shows exactly, like we had no clue what we were getting into. Yeah. So before we launched, we were like, "We're not gonna have any money because we just quit our jobs and yeah. didn't really have savings." Um, so we need to learn how to cook and we need to be healthy and like we need to make sure that we're not spending money um, ordering out or going out to eat all the time. So we stocked our fridge and we have, I think it's like the Skims first Instagram, first Instagram. picture. Oh. And we're like preparing for war. Yeah. 
It's and that was the one and only time that we cooked in the mm. first two years of the company. I was going to say, you didn't yeah. learn how to cook. You no, were like no. typical New Yorker. We're like, let's not puts... take on all the initiatives at once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one very important decision you, you made was that you trusted your gut, and you actually went in opposition to a lot of experts who said, email is dead. Mm-hmm. Don't do this daily email thing. Do an app, et cetera. Your gut told you otherwise. I think, you know, you just asked what what made us think that it was going to be a success. And I think it was nothing that we were told. Um, Everyone thought we were making a mistake. Everyone? Everyone. Parents? Oh, parents. I mean, they loved, they love us. They supported us. But they were like, are you sure you want to quit? Like, is there ever, maybe wait a few years, um, like save more money, which was not a possibility. 25 Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, now it's fun to remind them of that. Um, but, you know, they, I remember sitting on my kitchen floor, Carly, you were in our living room and hearing no for, I think the, you know, at that time I spent the 40th fundraising call that we did and just slumping down like the side of the wall and doing the call with like my head in my hands. I remember, I mean, we spent, so much money, which we didn't have, on a plane ticket to L.A. to take a meeting with a VC. And he said, you know, I hope I don't want to waste anyone's time, um, but this isn't a fit. And I hope you guys didn't fly out here just for this. I mean, and he's like, he's like, I, we pride ourselves yeah. on never wasting entrepreneurs' times. I'm like, huh. we just charged. You just wasted mine. Yeah. Like, we are now in further credit card debt for the plane tickets yeah. that we just took to come here. Yeah. We're going to fly back tonight. So, what a great day. <laughs> right, because you don't want to pay for a hotel. Yeah. For yeah. yeah. I mean, literally the only thing that made us think it was a success was mm-hmm. the, or would be a success, was the audience. That while all of this was going on, while we were hearing from everyone in the business community and the media community that like... Because you were already out there publishing. Yeah. Yeah. This is dumb. Email is dead. Go create an app. Go hire some designers. Make sure it's really pretty. Um, We were actually having pen pal relationships with our audience. Mm -hmm. And they were saying like, I walked into a meeting today and I talked about North Korea for the first time. And it was such a moment of pride. And I think those emails, and even early on um, when Hurricane Sandy hit, we couldn't publish. We lost power. Um, we told our audience, we published in the newsletter the day before, like, hey, we might not be able to publish tomorrow. We don't know what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we were fine, but we had no power for a few days. And we got notes from people around the country. And this was you know, a few months in saying, are you girls okay? Can I send you food? You can go stay with my daughter. She lives uptown. Um, and wow. that was... that's loyalty. Yeah. I mean, that was loyalty. And they really didn't know who we are, were, but they felt so invested in the company. It, it's interesting that investors, I'm sure you told them this and was part of your pitch and they mm-hmm. didn't see that. I know you got turned down by hundreds of VC firms. There was one big investor that you chased for 367 days. Yes, yes. we did. Yeah, uh, we are, um, I would say sometimes when we really believe in something, we can be very headstrong and we didn't take no for an answer. And we, um, when we first sat down and we're like, who should we get the skim in front of? We put this investor's name down. Um, he had invested in, in things that were, um, were in the space. You me. never say who it is. Can you tell me who it is? Come on. I, mean, I think it's okay. Bob Pittman. Yeah. Oh, it's a big yeah. name. Yeah. Uh, and we, we chased him. Um, he, you know, he's really busy. He doesn't in, do, like, do invest a lot of Tell things like this. Tell people who Bob Pittman is if they don't know. Bob Pittman uh, is a legend in media. Uh, he is, uh, he is, um, 
from MTV, AOL, now iHeart. He is a legend and uh, he is always ahead of the curve and he is someone who totally beats to his own drum. And we knew he would get this, but we had to get in front of him. And I I don't even know if we've ever told him this, but I remember, so, hey, Bob, this is what happened. Um, We we got on a call with him and he was like, I'm really traveling for the next, you know, six weeks. We're like, where are you going? He's like, "Um, Montana. I was like, that's so funny, me too. It's not going to Montana. And then he's like, and then I'm going to Spain. I was like, that's so funny. I am too. Where are you going? And we were just like, we will, wherever he said he's going, we'll just show up. Well, and he, no. We actually did well, run into him tra- on vacation yeah. this year, which was funny. Yeah. But, he, but then he was like, and then I'm going, he was going to like a remote place in Montana. And yeah. we're like Googling like how to get there. And we're like, we can't get there. And um, we finally got Minus a Minus the private jet. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But, it's tough. It's tough. But um, we finally got our meeting in person, and it was the best meeting we had. And in 20 minutes, he was like, where do I send the check? Wow. Yeah. Still an investor? Yes. 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 And I think that's where we get – we've gotten so lucky with the people that we have around us because we've never been the hot thing. We've never been the thing at the right time that, you know, Silicon Valley was just throwing money at. And I think that benefited us. More from my interview with the founders of The Skim after the break. You've also been careful about how much money yes. you raise yeah, because the more money you raise, you know, I have friends and entrepreneurs and they're, they are careful too because the more money you raise. There's such a misconception out there that I think, you know, when we first started, before we even knew about any of this, you would read headlines and, you know, tech outlets and these yeah. crazy valuations and these crazy rounds of raised and you're like, congratulations, this is so exciting. Now you owe people more money. Yeah. yeah. And I remember an entrepreneur said to us, um, they are like, you know, the best thing you can say to a founder when they raise more money is I'm sorry, yeah. because the stakes just got higher. The pressure just got more and yeah. you probably own less and hopefully it all works out. And you're obviously you're investing in growth. But I think we have been really, really conscious and aware of, um, of how much we want, how much um, we have riding on this and mm-hmm. how we don't want to just be, you know, a headline that's flashy about how much we've raised, that everything that, you know, we've raised, we, um, we've been really smart about how we spend and we've done that since day one. Is it true, Danielle, that Apple actually asked you guys if you hacked their rating system to give the skim so many positive ratings? We did a call uh, with someone there, and um, that was kind of an, an anecdotal really? thing said. Yes. Um, and, you know, I think it was funny because it all came down to our Skimbassadors. They really um, loved the brand, and they loved the small business story behind the company, that seeing the two of us start this and being really open and honest with them about our journey from the beginning. Like, we were on the couch. They help us grow. They still bring in 20% of our user acquisition Tell each year. Tell people what Skimbassadors are. Yeah, so Skimbassadors are our force of kind of brand reps. They love the company. Um, they're really a focus group for us. They push us to be better. Um, they tell us what they like. They tell us what they don't like. Um, they're really kind of a, a guiding point for us. We're in a Facebook group with some of them. Um, other ones we've had hosted at dinners around immigration or get out the vote efforts. Um, and they really see job posting 
postings. Uh, they see internship postings. They also um, got a preview when we launched the app. I mean, they had it before anyone else. There was not one leak. But to be clear, these yeah. you don't have to pay them. No, no, no. It's all this is free advertising. It's voluntary. Um, they're incentivized by swag, um, and it's been really interesting in two ways. I think one is seeing how they actually have helped us grow in such an immense way. Mm. Um, They've really been our grassroots marketing that is baked into the DNA of the company. Um, I think also, you know, it's been really interesting to watch this group at a time when, you know, about half of them are in a Facebook group all day long. And seeing that um, in this, you know, political environment where things are being said and the political discourse is so high. Seeing the tensions come up there and just the way that, you know, people speak to each other behind a screen. I think it's been a really interesting, you know, experiment for us to see how the conversations there are really following the national tone. Let's talk about that because get out the vote in the 2016 Mm -hmm. election was your proudest moment. Yes. Yes. So we created a marketing campaign called No Excuses. And the idea was that there's no excuse not to register and not to vote. And that became really a marketing platform we've since built upon. So we've done no excuse not to talk about immigration, no excuse not to know about health care. Um, and so with um, no excuses not to vote, um, we we partnered with Rock the Vote. We are mm-hmm. one of Rock the Vote's largest partners ever. And we got over 110,000 people registered to vote. And 95,000 of those were women. Did you do something with the Women's March, too? Uh, not specifically with you the did. Women's March, no. But I think what, what we saw is, you know, those numbers, when we looked at, you know, when you look at the re- election results, you're like, that's a state. Like, the fact that that many people turned out and that historic amount of people um, mm-hmm. around our company's efforts, um, it was the first time that we really did activation around a, a, a civic goal. But not taking sides. Yes. And I think that was um, a really, really pivotal moment for us as a company. We're, we're nonpartisan. But I'm interested yeah. in the, what mm-hmm. those conversations were like inside because yeah. I was actually yeah. thinking back to Britt Morin of Britain Co. Yeah. that I interviewed a few yeah. weeks ago who did, they did, uh, you know, support and, yeah. and mm-hmm. become an active part of the Women's March. And it cost her a big advertiser. Yeah. But for her, she said, I made the calculation it was worth it. I, I'm interested in what those discussions were like between the two of you deciding all right, this election is is divisive. Are we going to, what are we going to do here? We talked about it so much. And I think a point, too, was actually, and I think this puts it in perspective, where we did focus group calls with our audience directly after, during the election and then after, to really um, have conversations about how they felt, you know, ask them, let them talk about if they wanted to, who they voted for and why. Um, the day of the election, we had people FaceTiming us, talking about their vote. We wouldn't ask them right out, who'd you vote for? But a lot of the times the conversation led that way. Uh-huh. And what we heard was really interesting. And one consistent theme that we heard is that for a big part of our audience, we are one thing that they read um, or one source that they get their news from. But also, for a sizable part of our audience, we are their primary source of news. And for those people, if they felt like we were um, being partisan on either side, yep. then they were unsubscribing. And we heard again and again from people that were unsubscribing that they were turning to Facebook to get their news or they were turning to sites that we did not deem reputable. Um, And because of that, we felt like we had a responsibility to make sure uh, that we were in in our audience's minds a a trusted source Mm -hmm. um, where people felt like if this is the one thing that they're going to read, that they felt like we were giving them the information, but letting them make up their mind as to how that affected their vote, what they were going to do with it. Um, I think between the two of us, it was 
definitely challenging. Um, I think now, you know, it's it's much easier to kind of talk about it and and. Um, but I think then there were definitely times where we felt like, do we... We're like, did this cross a line? Did, yeah. Is this the moment where we say, like, okay, look, we're speaking on behalf of millennials? And we realized, I think one of the biggest um, misconceptions about millennials as a whole is that they all vote the same way and they all think the same way. And yeah. they obviously don't. And I think, you know, what we saw, what I, what I would say, what the election was a turning point for us as a company was in a few ways. It took what we did as a privilege to become a responsibility for all the reasons that Danielle just outlined. I also think it was a moment for us where, you know, we had to trust our gut in a way, in the same way that we trusted our gut when we started. We were reading all the polls out there that said that the election was going to go a different way. But we were doing our own studies that actually predicted how the election did turn out. And we didn't have the confidence to say, hey, this is actually like how it's going to turn out. And that was a moment for us looking back. I'm like, that was a that was a growing pain moment for us where going forward, I think we realized um, the hold that we have on this audience and that we really are uh, the way that they're getting their information. Have you requested an interview with President Trump? We have multiple times. Yes. And any word? No. We're we're waiting. You're waiting. Yes. Uh, We're waiting, too. I'm waiting, too. We can do it together. Here's why I ask. Because you recently interviewed the, the Prime Minister of Canada, yeah. Justin mm-hmm. Trudeau. That's yeah. a huge coup. Yeah, thank That's you. a huge get. Yes, thank How'd you. How'd you land that? You and know, what does it tell us about sort of the direction the skim's going in? Yeah, so we actually, we were at an event, and uh, Justin Trudeau happened to be at the event, and we were like, oh my gosh, don't expect to run into the Prime Minister of Canada. And we, you know, went on over, like we would go over to anyone and say, you know, we're the founders of a company called The Skim, this is what we do. Yeah. He was very polite, said thanks so much, and his chief of staff was right there, and she's like, no, this is legitimate, we all get our news from them. And uh, we corresponded with his team over the course of a few weeks, and we, we went to Canada uh, a few months ago. So kudos to you. I was at that same event. Yes. We yeah. spoke there. Yes. I met the Prime Minister of Canada. I put in an interview request, and I'm yet to get it. So good job. <laughs> Thank I'd you. I'd love any tips you can give me. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about some of the criticism that the yeah, skim yeah. has faced. Um, an article you'd rather not revisit, but I think it's important to, <laughs> to discuss, think- is, is the slate. Yeah, article yeah. Um, that made the argument that that the skim is shallow. And let me read part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It treats its readers like they've never read an article, looked at a map or accidentally seen a CNN segment in their dentist waiting rooms. His patronizing tone assumes that female uh, that female news consumers tune out of anything important. What did you think when you read that? Well, I think that um, I should say, first of all, we're happy to talk about this because I think that it's something that um, you know, we've heard, I think ironically, we hear it a lot from media, we hear it a lot from Twitter. And if you look at the people that are liking it or talking about it, it's yeah. really people that work in media full time. You should see my Twitter feed. Yeah. Twitter is not nice. <laughs> and, uh, but I think that was uh, an interesting point here where it's really people talking about media and judging how other people are choosing to consume information. And it goes back to that we are the gateway drug to news. And a lot of those people that supported that article, we link to them every day. We're a huge driver of traffic to their articles that a lot of our audience probably wouldn't see without reading it in the skim first. And I think we will never ever apologize for educating people around their, the world around them. Did you question yourselves and your product? Not for a No. No. No, I think that we see that millions of people throughout the country are reading us every single day. 
um, that's something to be proud of. It's something to celebrate that we are getting people to read news every single day and to come back or to go deeper in a topic. Um, I think that there are a lot of news sources out there that I think um, are trustworthy and credible that I might not find to be the best place for me personally to get my information. That's fine. Um, I think that placing judgments on sites or places where people are getting to choose their information is is a dangerous road as long as they're credible, as long as they're trustworthy. And instead, we're a company that's yeah. going to celebrate and people getting informed. And I honestly think informed. what said the most about um, why we stand up for what we stand up for is our community was deeply offended by that. They're like, why are you placing judgment about how I'm getting smarter? Yeah. Like for, for many in our audience, this is the first time they are interacting by with By the way, one of, my, one of our producers here at CNN, who is among the smartest people at the whole company, you know, just said to me this morning, I read the skim every morning. Now, she also reads everything else. And I think, you know, we have some in our audience, and this is exactly why we started, who they, they're exactly like your producer. They read all day long. They read everything. Mm-hmm. The skim is a nice supplement for them. So, so let me go through mm-hmm. some of the headlines yeah. and, and, uh, that, that, were, that were criticized here. Yeah. One of them, Hispanics aren't as loco for Dems this time around. That's one. A second one was, what, do you, uh, what to say when your friend asks you what time you can get drinks after work? I'll be free earlier than expected, just like Chelsea Manning. Do you think headlines like that trivialize the issue? What was your response to to their criticism of things like that? I think we have a very specific and unique voice that is not for everyone. There is totally a sense of humor in how we approach what we do every day. And I think what we do every day is we clear the weeds around you. And the fact that, you know, it's a little bit of like a little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down, like a spoonful of sugar, that's exactly what this is. And if we can make it easier for you to remember that headline to understand the gravitas around a story around Chelsea Manning, for example, we're not apologizing for that. And here's the defense. The Columbia Journalism Review, a mm-hmm. preeminent, uh, you know, outlet for a debate like this wrote in defense of the skim, and it writes, what's scarier to me as a journalist is a rejection of an entire group of news consumers. What we imply is that there's only one right way to consume news or to be informed. We exclude people who don't or can't fit that mold. That must have been a good day. You know, I I think it's how we feel. Um, I think it was a great day, but I think taking a step back and thinking about our culture and our team, Uh, We're a company that started from nothing. We have built a team that is now 60 people um, from our couch. And so I think that a lot of the things that have happened along the way have been incredible press moments. And then there's been days like this. And I think what you learn very quickly is that none of it's real. What's real is your audience metrics. What's real is the engagement that you have with them. So, you know, I mean, obviously, when people like Oprah tweeted about us. That was an amazing day. I think our stance as a company and as CEOs has been, you don't believe the good press and tune out it. the bad press. That's smart. Yeah. That's very we smart. We believed Oprah. But yeah. <laughs> Only believe Oprah. Oprah is, yeah. you know, a saint on yeah. all those things. Um, another important thing to you is getting out of the beltway. I, I think about this a lot, being from Minnesota, yeah. but, you know, I live in New York. I've lived here half my life, yeah. let's be honest, okay? You're a New Yorker now. But I think... Yeah. And in the story, you know, we're going to Michigan, we're going to Kentucky to talk to these voters yeah. and to talk. Um, how important is it for you to have a lens that is not only a New York beltway? We can't overstate lens. that enough. Um, it is hugely important. I think one of the things that we are proudest of is actually how geographically diverse our audience is. We are not a coastal brand. Hmm. Um, I think that's a really big misunderstanding about us. Um, we are huge in the Midwest and the South. We are in all 50 states. We are in over 100 countries. 
Um, we we definitely um, represent the voice of this woman across the country. And I think that also is partially why we've also really tried to stay as neutral as possible. I think it's also why one of the reasons why we started the company. Yeah. I mean, I was working in D.C. Yeah. and I would go home to Chicago and I would spend holidays visiting my relatives in Illinois. And the things that were on their mind were not the things that we were reporting about every single day or we weren't reporting it in a way that actually yeah. connected with, you know, what this bill is actually going to mean on a daily basis for, for these you? voters. Yeah. And I think that was a really lost opportunity. It's amazing to me the, the, the feedback I get and what I hear from people when they see these pieces air that we do across the country. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful to work for a network yeah. that a lot gives me time off my show to go yeah. travel to do that because you have to be, you have to bring those yes. voices yes. to the fore as well. Um, when, when we look sort of moving ahead for you guys, you've been very successful. I know you can't give all your, your numbers out. Profitable? We're doing really well. <laughs> Such a political answer. Yeah. Um, one of the ways that you, that you do well is native advertising. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit, Danielle. And that is, you know, the, the brands that you choose to partner with. Because you have such loyalty, you also have to be careful yeah. about who you allow to be a native advertiser. And you actually reject a lot of the people mm-hmm. that come to you, like 60% or something. Can you walk me through that thinking? Yeah, I think that um, we adopted native advertising as our first revenue stream, and now it's grown into subscription and content licensing and also affiliates. Um, But I think for us, what we view, what we do every day is we tell stories. We tell stories about what's going on in the world. It makes sense to work in um, a revenue stream that tells stories on behalf of brands that we think are a good fit. I think as a growing company, we're always thinking about how we can do that better and how we can be more transparent. Mm -hmm. And also as we've grown the team, how do we make sure that, you know, what we feel is a good brand is also um, exemplified and our team has that same thinking. And I think that has been um, a learning process as every company. Mm-hmm. Um, I think overall, our view on it is we want to be transparent. Before we started introducing any advertisers, we told our audience that, hey, tomorrow we're going to work with our first brand. We need to make money. Um, and if you don't like it, tell us. If you do, tell That's us. So like, let's Let's work it out. Um, and I think that we have no problem with being transparent. Um, we, you know, the logo changes when there's a brand. Um, there are yeah. visual changes. Um, I think it's also we don't want to put our team in the position of selling things that they're not proud of. Mm -hmm. I don't think that does a lot for retention Mm -hmm. um, or for really sticking it out and growing a company if you don't feel proud of what you're bringing in every day. You're playing the the long game. Yeah, definitely. I read NFL MBA partnership that you guys had. Is that right? We worked with the MBA. They were actually our first sponsor. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. What can you tell me about that? We loved working with them. Um, I think it surprised everyone that they were our first sponsor. I mean, I remember we were still fundraising at that point um, or doing our second raise. And people were like, are you starting to work with brands? I assume you're going to go through the go to the beauty route. And we certainly are like very happy to work with beauty brands. We have worked with beauty brands. But it just so puts you in such a box and puts your leaders in such a box. I think we have a little bit like that's where you get like the little bit of the rebellious streak in us. We're like, we are going to work with a sports league. (laughs) And we were like, we will see that (laughs) response. And uh, so the NBA, I think we give them all the credit. They believed in what we were doing when we were so much smaller than we are today. They totally understood it from day one. And we did a great partnership with them and our 
second sponsor was Turner Sports. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Yeah. We've also done a lot with the PGA. Yeah. Um, that's been going into video. We've done two interviews, Justin Thomas and also Sergio this year. Um, so I think sports is a great category for yeah. us. We'd love to do more. What should we expect to see with video? I mean, who are you going to be competing with? You've got this big Trudeau interview. You've got a request in for the president. So, Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's wonderful to see. I just I wonder yeah. what the what the play is here. So I think we don't think about it as video is like who we're competing with because okay. we really think about it as where does it fit in the company structure going forward. And for us, it's really a top of funnel opportunity. It's about making sure that we can get wider reach with it yep. and reach people and target them in ways that make sense where, oh, hey, this video I understand is from a brand that has a distinct value proposition, mm -hmm. that has a voice. And our ask for people that are watching videos is that they understand who we are just enough to sign up for a free newsletter. And from there, we've optimized the newsletter to get them engaged, to feel like they're part of a community, because our hope from a revenue perspective is to drive them towards direct subscription products. Um, a few fun things before we, before we move on and wrap up. Tell me about the 19-year-old male intern. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, oh my gosh, this is so funny. First intern. First intern You're ever. You're working out of your yeah. apartment. Yeah, so we were out of our apartment. We met um, a, a male college student um, at Hunter College. and We were he, speaking. We were speaking. He came up to us, and he's like, I'd love to get your advice. We went to coffee, and he said, listen, I want to be a journalist. I want a journalism internship, but I can't get one because I don't have journalism experience. I can't get the experience because <sighs> yeah. I can't get the internship. Yeah. Yeah. We have both totally been there. We're like, we hear you. So we brought him on as an intern, and what we did is we had him sit with us in our very, 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 cannot emphasize enough how small this little living room was, and he sat on the couch with us and watched us write every single day. And he, what he would do is, you know, when you're with your, your best friend, you obviously, you have like shorthand, you, you don't even realize the jokes that you each make or yeah. what words you each hate. And we had him study us, and he literally created this profile around what is the voice of the skim. Because it's not my voice, and it's not Danielle's voice. It's a voice that we've created together for a character. And what that became was the foundation of what we call our, our, wow. our style guide to you our give voice. this guy a stake in the company, I hope? He's actually, he's in law school now. Yeah, we got yeah. him a recommendation. Yes, we, good job. We're very proud of him. Yes. Good job. Uh, there are a lot of highs here. What is the cautionary tale that you have for the 25-year-olds listening who are thinking of quitting their job at NBC News or CNN and doing something The thing that makes like me nervous is there is such a trend right now of, of being an entrepreneur, joining a startup. It's yeah. like, you know, everyone is like, I'm going to join a startup and I'm going to have, you know, be like that guy who gets the equity at Facebook for drawing on the wall and all of a sudden you're a millionaire. Um, it is, it is really hard. You need to be really, 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 really passionate yeah. about what it is that you are about to sacrifice for. There's no paid vacation time. There's yeah. no vacation. There's, there's no be and it's benefit, not, health benefits. And it's not and like, no, you have to work hard. I think that you, you need to know that like, People ask all the time, if you weren't doing the skim, what would you do, be doing? I'd be doing the skim. Maybe it wouldn't be called the skim, but like right. I'd be doing the skim. News was in our blood. News is, and information is what we've mm -hmm. always wanted to do. So when we see people try to join a startup or start a company for the sake of being in the entrepreneurial space, that makes me very nervous. Um, be passionate and believe in what you are doing more than anyone else could possibly Even if that's for a big, big company, big doesn't corporation. Matter. Yeah, and I think being entrepreneurial in yeah. a big company is a, is a wonderful thing. Uh, skim notes. 
Yes. yes. Sort of new, more in-depth on certain news of day mm-hmm. topics. What is that? So it's a new audio feature that we just launched, Skim Notes. It gives you a deeper dive, 10 minutes into a story, a story about um, something bigger in, in the world around us. Um, we've done it on North Korea, uh, which I love that one. Uh, we've done it on fentanyl, we've done opioid on fentanyl, crisis. WikiLeaks. Yeah. I mean, really, the idea is like, what are topics that you want to go a little bit deeper yeah. on? And this is all part of our premium subscription and offering. I love, obviously, you're on our podcast. I yeah. love the podcast format. Especially, yeah. you know. I mean, we looked at, you know, there's a reason that a lot of people are in audio. I mean, 85% yeah. of our audience is commuting. 74 per list- yep. 74% of them listen to audio on that commute. Mm-hmm. We knew we wanted to be a part of that routine in a different way. 50% of them are listening to an hour of audio every day. And I think going back to your question about video before, what we do is we fit into the routines of our audience. That's what we're competing against. And that's what um, that's what our, our biggest challenge always is how does product fit into routine. And in this case, we were really going after the commuting routine. You are often invited to conferences, big conferences, to tell CEOs how to understand us millennials. Um, I know, and we all know from the studies, that millennials care of course, about, uh, you know, making a decent salary, et cetera, but they care most about what the company they are working for stands for, what the purpose is and what their values are. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that, assuming you employ a lot of millennials? Yeah. We do. Um, so we do employ a lot of millennials. We also are millennials. Yeah. So we are millennials managing millennials. Um, and I think there are a lot of misconceptions about it. I think that um, the great things about millennials is that we see them push boundaries. We see them think outside the box. Um, I think that also makes managing different. Um, we never managed other people, so we don't have anything to compare it to. Um, but I think it's we're very clear uh, that we are a company that stands for informing people, empowering them, and leading them to make their own better informed decisions. Um, And I think that's something that a lot of people are excited about, and and that's why they like to work for the company. Mm -hmm. I think it's also not limited to editorial or communications. Um, I think we've heard from a lot of our engineers that the reason why they're interested in the company is because they're creating products for an audience that already exists. They're not starting off with a technology that no one's going to see or hoping that they're going to use it. Um, and I think that was a, a surprise to us hearing that, how, how that mission translated into you know why they want to work for the company. One thing that we do is that we rewrite our values every year as a team. So the Skim's birthday is in July. We spend that week. We do a lot of team building exercises. One thing that we do is we go through our values um, all together. We do an all hands mm-hmm. and see how they reflect what the team is at that point and what they want to see and we rewrite them. One thing that many companies are grappling with right now that don't already provide it is paid leave. Mm -hmm. We've seen a lot of movement actually from Republicans and Democrats in Congress whether or not the government is going to end up passing something and actually funding Mm -hmm. this, I don't know. Where does it stand at the skim? Do you have paid parental leave for new parents? Because I'd assume a lot of your employees are starting to think about it's having funny. children. Someone actually, one of our employees said this the other day. It's like, we're all growing up together. You know, Danielle you are, yeah. and I, mm-hmm. as two women who hope to have families one day, it's, it is something so top of mind. Um, we actually just moved offices where we just established our first mother's room. Um, so Good that, for you. Um, it's important. We, I have a friend who works at a big finance firm. They don't have one for her. I mean, now we, just need, we need someone on our team to have a kid. So, right. So <laughs> I know. We, we, have have, we have dads. Yeah. Um, so we actually have a lot of families um, with older children at, at, at the office. But um, we actually haven't had um, a mother yet um, who has got a pregnant wall at the skim. Um, but it is something that we are very excited to support. Do you know what? Do you have a policy for, for dads and moms? 
moms a, a leave policy? Yeah, so it's something that we actually are just undertaking. Um, so we're really excited to like now have our, our new mother's room and we um, you know, definitely are working with our employees who when they're reaching those, um, those new life stages, just as we'll hopefully reach those life stages, that we will be able to work on that together. To give them some pay. Yeah, leave. yeah I think for us it was about flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, there will definitely be a policy that we're putting in place. We're watching what's going on yeah. with the debate. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's a question of if we're going to support pay yeah. leave. I think it's more of what do we think our employees need and how can we develop a policy that supports them? Mm-hmm. Um, because we are a younger company and we haven't had that yet. We yeah. didn't want to just make a blanket policy that might not actually work. Yeah. Talk to them. We about want our employees yeah. to be a part of that. As we wrap up, who are each of your heroes? Ah, oh. um, my mom. Yeah, yeah. I think our moms yeah. are huge. For sure, yeah. our parents. Yeah. And what about professional heroes? Uh, I think we have the same answer. Yeah. Sarah Blakely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's she's been on we, the podcast. We love she, her. Um, I think very like for very specific reasons. Like she is scrappy. the founder of Spanx. She's founder of Spanx. She started the company with less than five thousand dollars. <throat> Female billionaire. Yes, she's the. I yes. love what really made me love her was when she would talk about, and this was years ago, and she talks about it now. But when she would walk into stores and she would put the Spanx yeah. products first. That's so like what we did. We <laughs> yeah. did that in bathrooms. Yeah. Um, she has never stopped being scrappy. She right. is never stopping the visionary of her company. Yeah. And I think she never loses sight. I mean, we don't know her that well, but from everything we've gleaned, like she's never lost sight of who she is. Um, and I think that is very inspirational. I remember, wow, I can't believe I remember this, interviewing her for the podcast, but also before that for this Leading Women series we have at CNN in this same dress pregnant but not as pregnant (laughs) people didn't know and looking at her i don't think anyone knew i was pregnant yet four kids yeah hugely successful very involved in her children's lives and thinking like wow what a model do if you i follow can her on do instagram because and her instagram is the best great. I'm very envious of them because i'm not that funny it. she's very funny she's funny she's very funny yeah, and very she funny. writes like novels novels she's very funny and raises for and authentic like yeah. you can very. see like that is she her writes life. them they're not yeah. written for her yes finally i want you both to finish this sentence danielle do you first the skim will have succeeded when so i think it's two things one um i think it's that we've been able to really motivate and mobilize the people that have registered to vote through us to be really a force um, and that that continues to scale. And two, I think that uh, we've made it a success for ourselves and our employees for the reasons why they came in. Um, So whenever we hire someone, we ask them what they want to get out of the job. Um, And we keep that in mind. And for some people, it's financial. For other people, it's learning to manage. It's taking a different step in their career. And I think success for us is very much tied into how we get there together. The skin will succeed when um, it becomes what we know we're sitting on. And I think that that could it could change like you know it it could pivot and hope will iterate and i hope our ideas we continue to become bigger than we already thought that they could be but um i think we know we're sitting on something so huge and special and really changing how people are getting information um and how to live a smarter life and so we we just got started and by the way you have already succeeded thank you beyond i'm sure many people's wildest dreams so congratulations thank Thank you you. i am excited to watch the journey and i'm excited to see your interview with the president come on the show thanks guys thanks so much for listening to this episode of boss files if you're a new fan of the show please go to apple podcasts or your favorite podcast app and subscribe while you're there leave us a review and let us know how we're doing as always you can follow me at poppy harlow cnn 
quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.